Like Shark Tank? Then you'll love Firing Squad. Chad Soash and Joel Cheeseman are here to put the recruiting industry's bravest, ballsiest, and baddest startups through the gauntlet to see if they've got what it takes to make it out alive. Dig a foxhole and duck for cover, kids. The Chad and Cheese podcast is taking it to a whole other level. Oh, yeah. It's Quentin Tarantino's favorite podcast, a.k.a. The Chad and Cheese Podcast. This is Firing Squad, and I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, and as always, the jewels to my Vincent, Chad Soash, is in the house, and we welcome victim, I mean guest, Keith Hewlin to the show. <laughs> Keith is founder and CEO of SmartRank, SmartRank, StackRanks, and filters job applicants without using a resume. Keith, welcome to the podcast, and more importantly, welcome to Firing Squad. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. So a lot of our listeners don't know your company, but more than that, probably don't know you. So let's get into a little bit about you, the person. What makes Keith tick? Yeah, so I live in Denver, Colorado. I'm married. I got two girls, 10 and 12 years old, and I've got a dog, and we love going up to the mountains and hiking and uh, playing sports and doing all the outdoor activities you should do if you live in Colorado. How many vests do you own? (laughs) <laughs> How many Patagonia uh, North Face uh, vests do you own there? That's not flannel. Fair. Do you uh, have a full closet of flannel? <laughs> That's the question. It may be the law in Denver that you must own at least ten uh, vests. And they have to have at least two or three of them. Have to have weed patches on them. <laughs> yeah, you can get away with it if you own a Subaru. That's the one exception. Ah, if you own a Subaru, then you yeah. don't have to have all those other things. Oh. Oh, he's found a loophole in the Denver uh, <laughs> law system. 1980s Subaru Brat. Yes, a Subaru Brat. I like that. I like that. All right. All right, Keith. I like it. I like it. Well, Chad, tell him what he's won by being a participant on Firing Squad. You got it. Welcome to Firing Squad, Keith. Uh, this is how it's going to go. At the sound of the bell... <laughs> You're going to have two minutes to pitch Smart Rank. At the end of two minutes, we're going to hit you with uh, about 20 minutes of Q&A. Be sure to be concise. You're going to get hit by the crickets. It means tighten your shit up. At the end of Q&A, you will receive one of these three from both of us. Big applause. Like a Mac McClung dunk contest. You're killing it, big boy. (laughs) Golf clap. Just like unranked. Ohio State men's basketball team upsetting Purdue. That's right. I said it. Uh, We're saying you have a chance. If you work hard, you got a chance. And last but not least, the firing squad. This is worse than the lack of defense during an NBA All-Stars game, for God's sake. Scrap the idea and move out, my friend. Keith, are you ready for firing squad? I'm ready. Let's At least it. he has legal weed and mushrooms to comfort the blow if uh, he does get, <laughs> does get the, uh, the, the squad. All right, Keith, pitch this thing in one, two. Yeah, so I think everybody knows that the hiring process is broken, right? It's inefficient. It's ineffective. It's biased. It's even expensive, and the list goes on. But, I mean, nobody likes it, right? And I would argue that the root cause for most of that dysfunction stems from two things. One, Nobody ever defines exactly what the qualifications are that are needed for the roles. So everybody like the hiring managers, the recruiters, the candidates, they're all interpreting qualifications differently and subjectively. And essentially, everybody's kind of speaking a different language. And two, the processes and tools like legacy ATSs, resumes, job descriptions, even intake meetings, they haven't changed in decades. 
And so even when everything else around town acquisitions change, like job boards and one-click apply and even AI and the candidates themselves, TA has unfortunately not changed very much. So SmartRank is a next-generation applicant screening and tracking software that completely automates the job applicant screening process. It stack ranks and filters every single job applicant. It provides hiring managers with the candidates that match their exact qualifications, not kind of or sort of. And we do all this without needing or using a resume. And the recruiters are pumped because they save like upwards of 90% of their screening time. They don't have to be a subject matter expert or carry that burden. Hiring managers are only looking at the candidates that they're interviewing that are pretty much pre-qualified, so they're happier. And applicants like actually having a chance at getting an interview. Crazy kind of concept there, right? So uh, it's probably one of the reasons we have like 10 times the average completion rate. So increases productivity, increases hiring manager engagement, creates actionable and meaningful DE&I. Uh, provides data analytics, uh, helps with compliance and legal. The list just keeps going on. Oh, and it's a better applicant experience overall. So we're the only ATS that our clients actually love, that people in TAA actually love. I'll leave it at that. Recruiters are pumped, Chad. He said recruiters are pumped. Hi, Poppy. Wow, that's that's a lot to live up to, Keith. All right, let's let's talk about the name for a second. Uh, Smart Rank, pretty self-explanatory, I guess. But you got the .ai. If I go to .com, it takes me to some Dynamo uh, .com page. How'd you land on Smart Rank? Have you tried to buy the .com? Were there other names that uh, were 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 silver medalists in this race? Talk about it. Well, SmartRank.com wasn't available unless you wanted to pay an arm and a leg. So we went with AI. But also, in addition to that, we always intended to have an AI component to SmartRank. And so at first we just built the software, but then later we added in the AI components, which is really, the short of it is really based around creating really, really amazing questions and answers and scores. All right. I guess I'll go with that. You're a sales guy by history. Why this company? Why this idea? What what made you so excited about it? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've been a hiring manager for 20 plus years and every hiring manager I ever worked alongside, their least favorite part of being a leader was always the hiring process. And I was no exception to that. And it's still the case today. Like everybody that has to be involved in recruiting just hates it, just hates it, right? The applicants are not happy. The hiring managers are never happy. And then even the recruiters themselves, they are constantly frustrated. So when I went to decide, when I decided I want to start my own company, I thought this is an area that there seems to be some really low hanging fruit because everybody hates it. All right. So you found you were founded in 2020, according to mm-hmm. uh, the, the internets. You haven't raised money from what I can tell. You've been a bootstrapped o- operation. Does no one want to give you money? Is that by choice? Are you looking to raise some money? Uh, what's up with the capital situation? Yeah. So we bootstrapped for the first year and a half or so, but we did raise two uh, rounds of call it friends and family or, you know, pre-seed rounds. So we've raised, you know, over 1.1 million in outside funding in addition to what we've financed. Crunchbase has failed me, Chad. Crunchbase has <laughs> failed me. By the way, it's not your fault. When we first started the company and we uh-huh. had no idea what our name was going to be, it was called Veradime. So it's probably underneath a Ooh. different name. Oh. So there you go. I'm not even going down that rabbit hole. Yeah, stack rank dot whatever. (laughs) Good, good move. Good move. Okay, so an ATS. Everybody hates their ATS, except yours apparently. But you don't need a resume. So take me through the process. How does somebody actually apply, and then 
how do you fix the def- definition of qualifications? Because that doesn't happen on the candidate side. Definition of qualifications and the inability to evolve uh, as we've seen tech over the years. What do you do to fix those problems? Yeah. So I think to answer that, we got to first look at how does pretty much every ATS on the planet work today, right? Uh-huh. So an applicant comes in, they apply through some jo- online job application and they submit their resume, cover letter, and then they a lot of times end up filling out all that same information, which they also absolutely hate, right? Yes. Now you yes. can look at the recruiter side of things. And what are they looking at? They're looking at a usually almost exclusively a chronological list of applicants. So the date and time in which they came in and name, those are the only two data points they look at. So what do they do? They start opening up each and every one of them. They have okay, the job I can't go through the entire process. Can't go through the entire process. What I yep. want to know is yeah. if you're not using a resume, what are you using? And whatever whatever you're using, is that actual proof that the person can do the job? Yes. So it's highly specific, multiple choice or multi-select questions that have a score associated with every single answer. And those questions and answers are ultimately, and this is the really important part, they're uh-huh. ultimately derived from the actual hiring manager for that role at that company. So for example... It would be something like a job description would say something like, must be proficient in Ruby on Rails. That means nothing. Totally ambiguous, totally subjective. Nobody knows what that means. So do you actually put a a Ruby on Rails test on there to prove that they are, quote unquote, they can pass the test, which means they're proficient? How do you actually help them through that process? Yeah. So we would ask them a question like, which of the following best describes your level of proficiency as it relates to Ruby on Rails? And one of those answers might be like, I can build non-trivial queries with active record modelists associations and scopes, and I'm comfortable with our spec and dynamic text fixture generation. Now, that's the level of detail the hiring managers actually want to know. Mm-hmm. And that's just what they never end up getting today. Now, we can also put in skills challenges, but I do want to differentiate. We're not trying to replace coding challenges, right? I think those are great. We do have some skills-based type questions in there, but really the at the end of the day, it's about stack ranking and, and then taking that top of the stack rank and then bringing those in for an interview, those in for the coding assessments. Okay. You can ask me questions and I can have chat GPT on, on the side to be able to give me great answers, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. Why are we not testing? Because that's what actually defines qualifications, right? Or, we, or certification. So the question is, the definition of qualifications, it gets thrown out the window when you see a great candidate, right? The question is, how do you see, how do you identify a great candidate in an applicant tracking system? That's one of the, the biggest fuck-ups that any system has today. How can you do that? Yeah, so the way that they're identified is, so you're an applicant, you answer, let's say, 12 very detailed qualification questions, like the Ruby uh-huh. on Rails example I just gave. You're yeah. literally stack-ranked. So that's who they're picking, right? They're not going to focus on the bottom of that. They're not going to go to the bottom. The reason that like skills assessments, uh, we're a screening solution, right? We're screening Mm -hmm. and applicant tracking system, but screening only works if it's fast and it's easy and it's very relevant to the role. If you ask somebody at the application stage to take a 45 minute coding assessment, you just, you're going to get zero applicants, right? No one's going to do that. So You have to be able to screen them down, get that stack rank, top of the stack rank list, and then those are the ones that they're going to focus all of their time and energy on. Better interviews, you know, uh, everything. And that's why we have shorter time to fill in all those things because it's just practical. There's no magic happening. We just Mm -hmm. ask 100% of the applicants, which of these qualifications do you have or do you not have? They answer them. and And then the rest is pretty much up to 
to the software to, to handle the stack ranking. So the main value out of this is being able to identify who is qualified or at least meets the qualifications, stack ranking them to make it easier for recruiters to actually jump in and ask that individual into an interview. Do you have an interview portion of the mm -hmm. uh, applicant tracking system or do you send it off to a, a point solution? No, we have a full full-blown applicant tracking system. I mean, interview, interview scorecards, offer letters, all of that exists in our system. But to be honest with you, all of uh -huh. that was really easy to build. Like that's the ATS piece of it. And that was very easy. Now we also tried to solve some other problems that exist down there, but really the, the main reason that you would purchase SmartRank is because of that screening and selection process, because that is the number one most time consuming activity a recruiter has today. And I'm going to say this, and it may not be very popular, but it's also the thing that they are the least qualified to do, right? I mean, let's just face it. Like if you're a recruiter and you're hiring for an FP&A and uh -huh. a developer and a salesperson, yeah. you're not a subject matter expert in any of those roles, especially if you've never done them before. And even if you have, you're not clairvoyant. You don't know exactly what that hiring manager is looking for. So, so what do we need the recruiters for at this point? Because we can just send those top uh, smart ranked individuals directly to the hiring manager. I mean, and we can get them automatically on an interview schedule, right? What the hell do we need the recruiters for? Well, I, I think that there's still some areas for them as far as like, I don't think we're totally away from needing to build relationships with these you know, candidates. I don't think we're mm -hmm. away from them having to build relationships with the hiring managers. They are still in our system helping to facilitate creating the questions. I would say they're kind of quarterbacking everything. They just don't uh -huh. have to try to be in the weeds trying to do yeah. things that they're just not qualified to do. I think Chad has a good point in that we run into and, and talk to a lot of startups where if the buyer believes you're trying to replace them or put them mm -hmm. out of a job, it becomes an amazing hurdle to clear, to sell your product to companies if they think, I'm going to be unemployed if we buy this. Have you run mm -hmm. into that? How do you address that when you do? If, if that has come up, they haven't expressed it to me. I, I'll, t I'll say this. One of the things when I first did my analysis, we interviewed hundreds and hundreds of recruiters in the beginning. And one of the things I kept hearing consistently is they work 14-hour days. And I'm like, no way. You don't work 14-hour days. What, what, are you, what are you doing for 14 hours a day, right? And I heard that so often. And so then I started to dig into that a little bit further and ask why. And the reality is because almost everything they do is manual and tedious in nature, almost everything that they do. So creating this automation doesn't replace their job, but it allows for them to spend time on better things. I'll give you one example, passive recruiting. Most of these uh, recruiters are just dealing with the influx of, of the people coming in reactively, right? These are people that are applying on their website or whatever, but they're not going out and trying to find the best person at that other company and pull them away from there. Why? Because they don't have time. They've got 450 applicants to review. They don't okay. even have enough time to, to glance at somebody else. So it's not really been a hurdle from your perspective at the company? No. Okay. No. Our, our recruiters... Or happy, yeah. So from your website, it's not super clear that you're an ATS, or at least it wasn't for me. So I'm yeah. curious, do you integrate with other ATSs? By being an ATS, do you, do you create a, a competitive nature with them to say like, no, we're not going to let you integrate? Because I feel like these pre-screenings and testing solutions are best when they're integrated with the, the sites that people are already using on a, on a daily basis. What have you seen with other ATSs and competitiveness? 
yeah, we're in the process of updating our website for the third time. So it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a bit of a struggle. Uh, so, so will yes, the new one be clear that you're an ATS or yes, it will. Okay. that's All like right. our number one in, uh, uh, initiative on this new, uh, rebranding of the website. But how do you say you need marketing without saying you need marketing? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll get to marketing in a second, Keith. Don't worry. Yeah. So, um, so back to kind of the question at hand, like, do we integrate? I mean, the short answer is we could, we can integrate. We've set up an integration with, you know, a big name ATS. But the reality is that every single client that has used us has ripped out their existing ATS and put us in because there's so much overlap between what we can do as far as like you brought up earlier, like interviewing and scorecards and offer letters. And we, we are a full applicant tracking system, right? Yep. So we can, but uh, I, I like to always kind of, push our clients to be like, why? Like, what is it that you're getting out of what jazz HR or whatever that you just absolutely can't live without? Well, we need, we, you know, we need interview scorecards. Great. Mm-hmm. We got those. So what else do you need? Okay. So more competitive than collaborative is the future of the company. I would, I would say you guys have been around going on four years now. Your headcount has barely moved. Typically I'd like to see a headcount increase mm-hmm. at least of salespeople that are out there, you know, pounding the pavement and, and hitting the phones. So unless LinkedIn failed me like Crunchbase did, uh, what's <laughs> up with headcount? When are you going to start adding salespeople? Yeah, it's a good question. It's also a loaded question. So I'll uh, <laughs> I'll give do. this answer. Yeah, I'll give this answer. So you know, our, we've struggled to you know to be able to um, really get folks to kind of rip out their ATS for for many different reasons, but. Um, what I typically, the way that our meetings typically go is they'll say, these are our problems. And then we address each and every one of those like very uniquely and specifically. And then I'll show them a demo and they'll say, I love this. This is like one of the best softwares I've ever seen in the space. And then it comes time to say, well, great, get rid of your ATS and use ours. And they're like, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. I'm like, why? You know, what is it that's really holding you back? And there's not really any solid reasons. It's usually just kind of like, we're just don't want to change like what we have. I think there's a lot of people that have made those changes in the past and switched in ATS and it was miserable and took them six to nine months to switch over. That has never happened with our clients, but that absolutely has happened. So I came into this and we geared up and I hired some additional people ready to go and hit it saying, all right, we're about to blow up here. And then I hit a reality check, which is a lot of the folks are just a, a lot more risk averse than I had anticipated. They not a lot, significantly more risk averse <laughs> than I anticipated that they would be. So Keith, how long have you been in this industry? Well, I mean, I've been hiring people for almost, I don't know, 22, 23 years now, but I've been in this space, like living this 14 hours a day for four years coming up on four years now. Okay. So, so what about the rest of the team? Uh, how, is there anybody else who has, have been in this space, especially from a technology standpoint for a good amount of time, or they somewhat newbies too? Um, yeah. So I wouldn't say like recruiters, you know, that are like on our team, but like, um, you know, tech, as far as like our developers that are full-time, you know, that have worked on our application and stuff, they have worked on similar types of, you know, HR tech, what about leadership? You got yourself. What about other leaders? Because right out of the gate, you're start you're you're talking about things that we already know, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard. Cost of change. Movement slow. Yep. Welcome to HR. Welcome to talent acquisition, right? <laughs> this is this is nothing new, Keith. This is new stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is this is what we deal with. Is there anybody who has long standing uh, from a leadership standpoint 
uh, in this space? Only our advisor team. So our okay. not a leadership team within the C-suite yeah. of our company, but yeah. um, from an advisor standpoint, there's some really you know well-known names that uh, I showed our software to explain our methodology and they were um, pretty psyched about it. And So are they on board as actual advisors mm-hmm. with the team? Okay, great, great. Yeah. Yep. So- when you're when you're talking about the actual you know total total addressable market, are you looking at SMB? You you mentioned Jazz. Jazz is not an enterprise product, so no. are you mainly SMB? SMB, and I would also say mid market. Initially, we we really and by the way, those are nebulous terms, right? What does that even mean? This is just like what it's I not enterprise. Day, Anything right? not enterprise is what it is. And what is enterprise, <laughs> right? Like see that big like, fucking companies. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, mid market. So call it you know, anywhere between 500 to 2,500 employees. Uh And then, you know, I would say where we, that's where we focused initially. And again, we were finding that they were so entrenched with their ATSs that we went down market and we started Mm -hmm. working with more SMBs. So call that anywhere from like 80 up to 500 employees um, where they're not established in their, their ATS. Some of them don't even have an ATS in some cases. And that we've seen quite a bit more success with. So when you're when you're talking about the the SMB, you know, less than uh, enterprise side of the house, how are you guys actually going to market uh, from a sales standpoint? Are you going direct to brand? Are you trying to create partnerships? How are you guys effectively trying to penetrate the market from a sales marketing standpoint? We've had a number of partnership conversations, but I'd say it's been more of a direct um, kind of approach, which frankly, is, is kind of challenging these days, right? Like email, mm-hmm. you know, cold calling and stuff. That's just dead. It just doesn't work anymore. So I'd say it's it's less of a shotgun approach, more of a very specific scope approach where we're, you know, looking at uh, companies that we know have these problems, introductions by our advisors and other folks mm-hmm. that um, they know that these companies have a problem. And then a lot of it's coming through referrals and things like that right now. Very organic. Mainly referrals and into the SMB market. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'd say we've struck out with the different <laughs> marketing uh, avenues we've taken, we've struck out uh, with with a lot of those. Uh, yeah. It's, it's yeah, just yeah. been tough to kind of go at it. Yes, it's SMB. Um, so when you're when you're talking about the actual business model itself, I would assume it's seats. Is is it a platform fee with seats? Talk a little bit about pricing. Yeah. So license, it's based on licenses, but they're recruiter licenses. So, you know, you have one person on your team, it's 300 bucks a month. We we don't do annual yeah. contracts, we do quarterly contracts, it's less risk. Um, if you love what you saw and you really want to give it a shot, you're only committed to one quarter at a time. Um, with gotcha. that being said, our clients haven't left, but you know, but uh, I think that's just because the proof's in the pudding, right? Once you start using it, it it's, mm-hmm. it changes, you know, kind of your. So your this is, process. and you're looking at revenue from an MRR standpoint as opposed to an ARR because of the way that the model rolls out. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yep. And then okay. the more recruiters they have, then the then we have like tiered pricing. So like two to five recruiters, six to 10, you mm-hmm. know, so we kind of gear it in there. So it's not like nickel and dining them for every single license that they're purchasing. Okay. So what do you see as the biggest threat for you and the organization uh, today? I mean, our biggest threat, I think is, is, well, it's two things. One, it's cash. Right, cash is a is always kind of in a, a very important thing for any startup, mm-hmm. um, and I would say exposure. You know, one of the biggest challenges that we have is you brought this up earlier. I told you about our organic marketing, but that takes a long time, 
and referrals and, and building up your client bases like that just takes a long time. So yeah. um, I, when I get, if I get a client uh, or a prospect on with one of our actual clients that's using the software, it's usually game, game over at that point. They're like, yes, okay, this is, this sounds amazing because our clients truly, I'm not, this isn't hyperbole. They truly love, love, love our software. Um, I just can't get it in the hands of enough people um, to actually use it and really kind of build that, you know, that message. Let's uh, chat about marketing. We hit sales uh, in the last uh, round of questions. One of the more depressing uh, research that I did on the company was the marketing side of things. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a laundry list and you tell me what the hell's going on. Uh, y- your last blog post was April of 2023. You only have 306 followers on LinkedIn after four years of business, roughly less than 100 per year. Your logos are mostly nobodies on the site. Uh, typically give it away for free just to get somebody that we can all recognize on the site, your YouTube channel, which you actually have content, you have 15 subscribers. Your careers page has no jobs on it. Like if I knew nothing about you and I just looked at your footprint on social media and the internet, I would say, are they still in business? So help me understand why the fall down on marketing? What are you guys doing to change it? You said you're, you're redoing the website, but it seems like there's a real lack of, of focus on getting the name and building the brand. I mean, you're not wrong in any of those things you just said. And and it is has been a challenge for us to build the the brand and things. I'm not a marketing person. I'm a salesperson, but you know, lacking any types of additional funding and things like that, you end up doing everything, right? Multiple roles. So marketing, sales, investor relations, customer support sometimes, product, you know, your hands are in everything. And I would mm-hmm. say you know, we are one of those types of companies where that's exactly, you know, one of our Achilles heels is my hands are in kind of everything. And I just, it's, I struggle to be able to try to get, you know, um, a really consistent marketing theme going. Now we have hired some agencies to help us, but like I said, they've just, we have not had any success with any of the agencies that we've hired thus far doing anything in that realm. One, one last question, uh, and I think we'll hit pricing before we leave, but the competitive landscape, we talked a lot, lot about ATSs, but the whole testing thing is huge. Like, I mean, Test Gorilla, Hiring Branch, Paradox, like a lot of companies are in this space. Are you getting hit on both fronts, like the ATS comp- competition as well as the testing? And that seems like a really hard thing to balance. As far as like dealing against comp- competitors like... Like, like um, is Test Gorilla a competitor? No, I would not consider them a... a, a a uh, competitor at all. Okay. Um, ATSs, absolutely. Greenhouse, all ATS lever, com- all those competition. Folks. Interesting. For sure. I, I'd say we compliment them, Joel. Okay. Nice, nice save. Th- those test gorillas in those, I'd say we absolutely compliment them. Like if you, if you're thinking about automating it, yep. you take your 250 applicants. These are the seven that we're really going to focus on. Now let's take these seven and have all of them go through test gorilla. And of those, let's take the four best scores out of there and let's meet with them. That's a great, hiring process very okay. efficient hiring okay. process right okay there. maybe that's that's a pivot for you in the future uh chad this sounds really fucking expensive man ats <laughs> testing keith keith what what is this going to cost me as a company what what's what's the pricing breakdown yeah i mean if you're a, if you're a uh one person shop right one hr manager one recruiter um, it's going to run you about 900 bucks a quarter, 300 bucks a month. If you get up into that next tier where you've got like, let's say four or five recruiters mm-hmm. on your team, um, then you're looking at about a thousand bucks a month. Pretty reasonable. 
but not very profitable. All right, Keith. <laughs> it's time to face the firing squad. Are you ready, my friend? I'm ready. All right, get comfortable. Chad, what do you think? Well, I think ATS is fucking hard. Okay. I, I did right out of the gate, and you've already talked about your experience, right? A core platform. This is a core platform, Keith. Core. What does that mean? It means everything is in it, right? So the cost to change, not just get getting rid of the platform and bringing in a new platform, but the process methodologies, getting the data in there, making sure the data is clean. Yeah, it is a bitch. And these are things that you're starting to understand now, and so so is your team. Um, I like that you you do have um, advisors in there. You should probably lean on them very very hard because a lot of this to me is going to be even harder, especially when we're talking about enterprise versus SMB. And what's the big difference between those? Fairly simple. Enterprise, a lot of fucking money, right? And you have a lot of recruiters, so therefore you have a lot of seats, so therefore you have what? A lot of money just in one account versus trying to pick off an SMB for an SMB for an SMB. They are hard to find, first and foremost. Secondarily, they are hard to get on the phone to make a deal, any of that shit, right? So, at the end of the day, SMB is going to be incredibly hard. Lean on your advisors heavily to be able to do this. Listen very closely. Don't do this direct shit. Start focusing on organizations, other point solutions that you go well with, like these test gorilla types of situations, right? And start to work with them to get, gain penetration into their portfolio, period. This is one-on-one shit, dude. These are the things that you guys need to be doing. Your threat right now, it could be cash, right? I'm not going to say that it's not, but I think your bigger threat is automation is everywhere. So if that is your superpower, guess what, kid? It's everybody's superpower. So at the end of the day, I want to see you do well. I think about any applicant tracking system that comes onto this show, I'm going to challenge them incredibly hard. I hope within the next five years, you guys explode. Uh, but until then, my friend, you're getting the firing squad. Ouch. Ouch. Little tough love there, Keith. Little tough love from a, from a sexy man. We got to give him the tough love. Got to. So you're four years into this. Uh, you raised about a million dollars, which is great. Uh, I, I would have loved to have heard you say we're on to our A series or we're like, we're, we've got some decks and conversations. We feel pretty good about raising, a, you know, eight to $10 million dollars. In the coming six months, I would have loved to have to have heard that from you. I didn't. Ultimately, four years into this, uh, it, it just it feels like a knife in a gunfight. The ATS is an incredibly competitive space. Like why anyone launches an ATS today is the only thing worse is a job board today, uh, and that'll get the Crusaders uh, on my ass. But that's okay. Uh, the testing is incredibly difficult, especially with the money or lack of money that you have every metric that I can see the lack of people Salesforce coming in. You meant you talked about the struggle that they've had to sell this product and how risk averse everyone is marketing's not getting done. You're not hiring people. There's no like job postings. You don't have any logos of, of relevance on the site that I can go, okay, well they've bought into it and, and they, they believe in this product. Um, my, you know, it's either pivot you can go with Chad's thing and like embrace the the testing sites and and what's going on there. My opinion is you either need to sell the parts and get the hell out and get on to your next idea 
or seriously pivot and get get this thing on some sort of uh, track record? Because you're four years into this. You mentioned 14-hour days. You have two kids. I'm sure your wife is loving these 14-hour days for four years, you know, going on five. Like, to me, this is a shit or get off the pot, come to Jesus moment for you. Uh, I think you're a great guy, a nice guy, but there's another idea for you out there, but this ain't it. Uh, For me, this also is the firing squad. Nothing personal, Keith. Nothing personal. We want to see you come back with a load of cash and say you guys uh, were wrong. And or I took some of that uh, advice and parlayed it into kicking ass and taking names. For our listeners who want to know more about the company, where do you send them? Yeah, yeah, you mentioned this earlier. So YouTube, um, with our, we don't have very many subscribers there, but there's a lot of videos. There's a lot of content there. <laughs> uh, LinkedIn, you know, finding Keith Hewlett in there, and then our website, SmartRank.ai. Good luck with all that, Chad. That's another one in the can. We out. We out. This has been the Firing Squad. Be sure to subscribe to the Chad and Chief podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you're a startup who wants to face the Firing Squad, contact the boys at chadcheese.com today. That's www.chadcheese.com.